Hello, and welcome back to the Real Recovery Radio podcast. I'm Rebecca Bateson, your host. I'm a certified holistic health coach, blogger, and a human on the internet. Uh, Before we start, I have to mention that the content discussed within this podcast is not meant to be substituted for treatment or taken as professional medical advice, aka I am an amateur. Now that now that that is out of the way, uh, a few updates. Um, as you may notice, Kat is not on the podcast this week, and going forward, at least as of right now, it will just be me here rambling for you. But I wanted to, to con- <clears throat> excuse me, I wanted to continue the podcast because I believe these are conversations that need to be had, and you really can never have too many voices talking about recovery from eating disorders, or really any kind of obsessive dieting behavior, or, or the culture that surrounds it. Um, so with that being said, too, a few updates on my life. Uh, we've been gone, I want to say, a couple months now, so it'll be almost be the beginning of May, and I've moved back to Columbus where I was originally living when we first started the show back in January. Uh, basically, now I live in a studio apartment with a roommate, so getting these podcasts up and running might be a little bit sporadic. I know typically we were releasing on Mondays, but I can only guarantee releasing uh, whenever basically I have a day off or a couple hours off that I can write these up and put these out. But like I said, I want to continue to have these conversations and I want to continue to provide content for people who want to listen because um, this is a, an important topic and I think this is something that people struggle with, uh, even if it's not an eating disorder, like I said, um, dieting, body image issues, it's all around us all the time and every girl that I know has some kind of issue with uh, food, weight, and trying to overcome all that. Um, so with that all the way to, um, welcome back. I'm glad you're all here. Today's topic is a little listicle-ish, a um, little BuzzFeed-ish, but I think it works out in this case. So today's topic is the five things I did and do in recovery, the five best things I did and do in recovery. And these are just my opinions and personal experience uh, 10 years into recovery from an eating disorder. Uh, These, I think, can be taken to heart with any kind of recovery, whether it be from alcohol, drugs, sex, or anything really. Uh, So let's jump into them. So my number one thing, first of all, is to be honest. So maybe this goes without saying, but this is huge for me in recovery and it's still something I really struggle with and have always struggled with. Um, I have a story here of when I was in treatment Um, at Remuda Ranch, which is out in Arizona, and they do NG tube therapy. And that means that I had a feeding tube that I would be hooked up to at night uh, to gain weight. That way I didn't have to eat an enormous amount of food and I was able to be weight restored. Uh, When I had this feeding tube, it was uncomfortable, yes. Um, And I I would sleep with it, like I said, with with it on at night. The, The food would be going in at night. So I got it in my head somehow that I was, I knew it was best for me. So I would go into the bathroom at night and take the tube out and dump it in the toilet and then flush it. Um, and eventually they found this out, but this was really, this is really something that, you know, I couldn't, obviously I thought I knew what was best for me. I thought these people didn't know what they were doing, even though they're professionals. You know, I thought I was okay enough that I was, you know, that my recovery was worth doing this. And I did it, and it was a completely dishonest, and I was punished for it, of course. Um, I had to sleep by the nurse's station and be watched and things like that because I didn't trust me anymore because I lost their trust. And, um, yeah, so that is something that set me back when I was in treatment. Um, 
And it's not just being honest about things like that. Like it's also being honest about feelings and being honest about everything, every single little thing, even the things you don't think are important actually are important. And if they aren't important, who cares? At least you get to be honest about them. Um, so you have to let your therapist, your friends, your family, significant other, whoever know about your behaviors. Uh, like I must admit that sometimes I still count my calories because I get into this headspace where I'm convinced that I'm recovered enough and that I can do it now. And that's not a problem. And I do it and I don't continue to do it, but I know it's a behavior that could lead me down a bad path. I have to be accountable and tell someone about those things. That's where therapy, friends, family, or even just writing it down is so important. And I guess I can use this podcast kind of as a way as well. But the more you lie to yourself, um, the more you will lie to others because you've told yourself that dishonesty is okay. And uh, speaking from personal experience, this is something you have to work on every day. Uh, You have to be honest. And this is something that I, like I said, even 10 years in, am still really struggling with. But um, because it's the thing that keeps us recovered enough, the thing that still keeps us sick, it still lets the eating disorder win. When you do those little things that you know you shouldn't be doing deep down, or even things that you maybe don't realize that you are doing, and when you tell somebody about them, they'll be like, hey, that's that's off. You shouldn't, that, why are you doing that? You know, Why is that something that you feel like you still need to do? So that's why it's important sometimes to check in with you know, with whoever else, a third party, basically. Um, Because sometimes we don't always know what's best for ourselves. And sometimes we can't see what we're doing until somebody else sees it too. Uh, People are very good mirrors for our own behavior. All right. So number two is be consistent. When I first got out of treatment for the first time, I made sure that I followed my meal plan. Even if I hated it, even if it meant waking up and eating and going back to sleep, I took that as my medicine, even though I hated it and I was miserable for the time being. I didn't want to gain weight. I didn't want to eat the food, but I did it anyway. When you think about recovery like anything precious, it has to be worked on, and you cannot let pride or fear touch that in any way because it's your life you're talking about. It's your well-being. It means not relapsing. I can't stress how important it is to keep a schedule so that way you can have some kind of structure and it feels like there's a regiment to your well-being. Think about this with anything too when you're trying to start a new behavior, try to change in your thoughts, whether it be you're trying to maybe take, in, take for example, workout. Now, I know this is probably something that some people shouldn't be doing, um, but also um, a lot of people would think about it in this way because it's something that a lot of people want to do. So you, whenever you want to create a habit, whether it be writing in your journal every day, you want to um, start, like I said, start working out, spend more time with friends, um, learn a language, take a class. You need to have some kind of schedule and some kind of regiment. So being consistent with that is so important. Um, same thing. Like I remember when we were learning Spanish in high school, they had us talk completely in Spanish in the class because we need to be consistent with our use. We couldn't speak some English and some Spanish. We had to speak all Spanish in order to be immersed in it and in order to learn the new behavior. So being consistent is huge. Um, So following your meal plan and doing the things that are recommended for you, even if they suck, which they will suck. I'll tell you that recovery sucks. It's not fun, especially in the beginning. It's the worst. (laughs) Um, And sometimes it's not fun afterwards because you want to do, you know, you want to do the cleanse or you want to do, you know, the two hours of kickboxing or some shit, excuse me, or anything like that. So just be consistent. 
Moving forward, um, recognizing your thoughts. So this kind of goes along with number one. There's this great quote from Eat, Love, Pray um, you need to, that says, excuse me, that you need to learn how to select your thoughts just the same way you select your clothes every day. This is a power you can cultivate if you want to control things in your life so bad, work on your mind. The only thing you should try, be trying to control. And that's so true. A thought that isn't even a tangible thing can cause so much heartache, so much trouble, or so much joy, or so much happiness. The thought, I am worthless, versus the thought, I am loved, can cause two very different emotions and turn two different very actions. How we think about ourselves and the world leads to our behavior. And this is something that I didn't realize until I got older. When I was younger, I thought this was complete BS. But the more I think back on it, the more I really see that this being a truth in my life, that the way that I thought really impacted the way that I acted in my life. And it's crazy to think that that's true, but it is. Um, I recently went through a really bad breakup, hence moving back to Columbus. And I found it very hard to eat for about a week um, because, of course, I was sad and grieving. And I also found myself thinking, I'll just get really skinny and show him how much he's hurt me by all the weight that I've lost, which is insane. You know, that's, <laughs> that's, it's not, I mean, which isn't insane, but it's also, that's destructive thought patterns. I can't make myself sick enough to prove a point just to get attention. Well, I can, and, but I, I heard that thought and I honored it. I said, okay, I'm having this thought. I realized this is something that goes back to my past. I honored it. I pushed it aside because it would just lead me into more pain and more discomfort in the end. You know, I could have also thought I'm going to get really, really drunk and just go make really stupid mistakes and that'll show them. That's something that I think a lot of people think of breakups and it's not healthy. And I recognize too, that that wasn't the solution to all my pain either. You know, pain is something that really has to be felt because it tells us something is wrong. And when we know something's wrong, then we can look into fixing it. A lot of therapists do CBT or DBT, which stands for cognitive behavioral therapy or dialectical behavioral therapy. And this can be really helpful, but only if you're doing number one being honest, being honest with yourself and being honest with your therapist. Number four, find fellowship. Um, this was really big for me in my recovery. Um, I really didn't start to get really, really into a good place with my recovery when I found friends. Um, and I didn't have a lot of friends coming into recovery because 10 years of an eating disorder pushes everybody out of your life. When you're 10 years into your addiction, you your friends are few and far between and you don't see them a lot. And that's because of you. If you're being completely honest with yourself, you don't want to see them because you're ashamed because you want to indulge in your behaviors. And when I was able to get myself out of my comfort zone and find fellowship with people, that was so healing for me. Um, this might not be for everybody. I tend to be more introverted, um, but being extroverted really was something that I had to push myself to do and found super healing because it allowed me to talk to people about my thoughts and my feelings and have fun and find a part of me that I hadn't had before when I was sick and um, indulging in my eating disorder. So whether it be a group of just two friends, one friend, uh, church, um, you can you know go to group therapy, even reach out to people on the internet. The internet's a wonderful resource and can definitely be a way to not feel alone. Whatever keeps you going uh, whatever group of friends that you can find, there are 
people are always going to want to be in community. Um, and if they don't, that's, you know, that's their own thing, but people want to be your friends. And when you let go of a lot of that stuff that is keeping you from being social or being out there, you will find great healing. And then the last thing here, number five, change your mindset, not your situation. So expanding on this a little bit, this is something I heard the other day that really rang true for me because I know for me, I really wanted to run away from my problems. I wanted to run away from my eating disorder. I wanted to, thinking that I could go to college in a different state and that would cure me, thinking that if my mom bought me a trip to Italy, that would cure me, thinking about if I went away to different treatment centers and different places that would heal me, that if I moved to Arizona, that would heal me. That if I just was able to somehow escape myself by being in a different location that, or being in even a different situation, that I would somehow be better. And, and sometimes that's true. Um, I, did, I did go back to college after getting out of my last stint in treatment, and that was very helpful because it took me out of my normal place where I was able to do my habits and put me into a college setting, which I wasn't able to do the, the weird things that I was doing when I was at was sick. Um, so getting myself out of that was good, but I also had to recognize that I had to change my mind first. I could have done, I couldn't have done anything if I hadn't changed the way I was thinking, if I hadn't been honest, if I hadn't been consistent, um, if I hadn't found fellowship and if I hadn't started recognizing those thoughts. So your mind, like I said, is so powerful. And if you can somehow get into it and see it, and understand it and work through those thoughts and then also those feelings that come with those thoughts, that's the biggest thing. You don't need to run away. You don't need to find another treatment center. And I'm not saying this is all in your head by no means. No, it's definitely not. Anorexia, eating disorders, bulimia, binge eating, dieting, it's all related biologically and, um, also, you know, if there's medical aspects of it and there's also emotional aspects of it, and there's also, I'm sure, neurological aspects of it too. Um, I think the big thing I'm just trying to say here is don't try to run away from your problems. Try to address them at the root. So that's it for this week. Um, hopefully you didn't mind all my rambling <laughs> and hopefully it was a good episode for you all. Um, if you'd like to leave feedback uh, on our iTunes review page or on SoundCloud, that's uh, soundcloud.com slash real recovery radio or real recovery podcast, excuse me. Um, and also you can drop me a line uh, at real recovery podcast at gmail.com. Um, you can also find me on uh, various Instagram pages, but I think I'm just going to link my personal Instagram at this point. Um, I do have the one that I use for health coaching, but you can find me at R Bateson um, on Instagram and follow my uh, edited photo life there. Uh, or you can find me at R Bateson on Twitter, uh, where I tweet about basically things that should be my way message in 1997. So anyway, thanks for listening. Um, I'll try to be back next week and have a good week. Be well.